what I think you have to do is take a long-term approach, drill down your key uh, messaging, follow up on a consistent basis, and work on setting your expectations. Welcome to the Exchange Feed podcast series. This is Tanya Roundtree, Global Head of Client Success at TMX Group, and joining me in today's discussion on navigating the changing sell-side landscape is Greg McDonald, Director of Research at Macquarie Capital Markets, Mark Charbin, Principal at Load Rock Advisors, and Kevin Wright, Principal at Load Rock Advisors. Thank you all so much for joining us in this discussion on the value of analyst coverage and sell-side support. Happy to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much. Looking forward to this discussion. It's certainly uh, one that our issuers are telling us um, that is important to them. Attracting uh, quality analysts seems to be harder than ever in terms of the discussions we're having with them. Um, a lot of emphasis is given to securing research coverage. Perhaps we could just start in very general terms um, in terms of what are the benefits of coverage for, you know, for our issuers. I think what you want to think about in, in terms of research is um, the ability to provide a lot of information into the marketplace. If you think about capital markets, what research is and information flow is, is kind of like the oil in the engine, right? And the more of it that's out there, and, and in particular, the more of the feedback loop that occurs so that you can get opinions going back and forth, the better the benefit of the bid-ask spread on the stock the better the benefit of cost of capital for, for the company. That, that's really, and, and companies know that there's strategic value in their cost of capital. The lower it is, the more their currency has value for M&A purposes, the more that they can attract good talent. So mm-hmm. you, you want that, and it's not just having research. It's having mm-hmm. good research so that you have good information flow and facilitation for the buy side and the individual investor to, to think about what that, that means to the stock. Yeah. And, Any other thoughts? Yeah, in practical terms, I see that as it's more voices getting your story out. It's a research analyst speaking to a sales desk, trading desk at the 7.15 morning meeting throughout the day to clients. And it's that one voice being amplified through 20, 30, 40 people that are talking to 10 to 20 people apiece mm-hmm. about your story. Mm-hmm. That's much better than a CEO sitting with a buy-side client in a right. marketing day. Right. Part of the challenge that we've seen in the regulatory environment and some of the changes of the evolving landscape, uh, we find it's increasingly difficult for our small cap issuers and companies to think about how they, uh, how they garner interest. Maybe we could talk just really briefly about the challenges that small cap issuers face. Certainly, Load Rock has a number of clients in the small cap space. Um, what unique challenges are you seeing and how, what recommendations might you have? I think every issuer has to take a long-term approach. Every analyst out there has uh, many coverage opportunities uh, with uh, their clients and internal forces pushing them. Uh, So you can't expect that because you come out in meeting number one, an analyst is going to be just as excited about your business as you are. So what I think you have to do is take a long-term approach, drill down your key uh, messaging, follow up on a consistent basis and work on setting your expectations um, for gaining that coverage over the long term. And that's probably the biggest part of your job, managing those expectations. Um, you know, we even see it that, that uh, clients expect immediate return 
on some of the outreach that you're doing. What is a realistic expectation? If you're a small cap issuer, you're not receiving coverage, what is an expectation on how long that can take or, or, or what that, that phase might look like? It, it may never happen. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's ways to work around that as well, but I think that delivering a consistent message, setting those expectations, continuously talking to the sell side and the buy side community to get that interest mm -hmm. is really critical. Uh, as people hear your story, as people are calling analysts asking about your story, that might be the stepping stone. Um, and also, you know, working with people that have the relationships to make those introductions is critical. For sure. You know, speaking from, from a research perspective as head of research, and we, we have coverage of large caps, but also a lot of small caps as well. Uh, and, and I can, say that the value of investor relations, I mean, this is really a really an important issue and might sound weird coming from a, a head of research, but the value of investor relations for a small cap is significant, mm -hmm. in some ways far more important than for the large cap companies. And the main reason for that is small cap companies are just not as much on the radar on the to the investor base as the large caps are. They're not necessarily in the news as much. Mm -hmm. um, they're not necessarily the ones that in, that stockbrokers think of for, for the retail type investor. Uh, and so it's really important for a company to have a very well thought out, I mean, these, these two load rock guys keep coming back mm -hmm. to this, this well thought out strategy. Um, one piece of advice I can give CEOs out there, particularly if you're a smaller mid cap company is, it's a marathon. Don't think that you're gonna get an immediate return. But there's a benefit to that marathon if you do this right, because mm -hmm. the more credibility you build over that long term, the more likely you are to keep a premium in the market, your stock relative to your comparables. And that can be a competitive advantage, as we all know. Yeah, hugely important point. Yep. Greg, you've been in, uh, you've seen the role of research, too, in your career evolve over time. I mean, it spans more than two decades. Yep. Um, can we talk just for a moment about how you've seen regulations impact that role of research? Yeah, I mean... Regulation's always been important in the sector. Um, I guess I would start off maybe tongue-in-cheek by saying there's just way more of it now, right? Yeah. The, the overlay on research has gotten um, incredibly, incredibly burdensome. Um, and it affects a number of things. It's, it's the limitations that an analysts have now far more so than they used to have. It's the price of the regulatory overlay, which eats into profit share um, for an investment dealer. Uh, so all of those things affect the role of the analyst as time goes on. The restrictions, I mean, I'll just give an example. The restrictions on analysts now, and I, I've, I've been at Macquarie for nine years now. Um, from the time I started there until now, the regulatory burden on analysts initiating on a company started with um, a heavily redacted report can go to, can go to a, a CEO or a CFO right to the point where now we can no longer send a report to a CEO or CFO or to a company. We have to simply send questions, and they could be as specific as we want, to them for clarification. But the idea is they no longer want the company being able to see what the tone is of the report because they don't want anybody knowing ahead of time what that report's going to be and what the bias is going to be. So there's an incredible increase in the, in the regulatory burden. Now, you've, you've spoken about MIFID in, in previous podcasts. Mm probably the biggest topic, and that's the one that's having the biggest impact on economics uh, and where the economics of the business are going. I don't, I don't think it's any secret that you know global commission structures 
commissions for dealers and, and allocations for, for research budgets have been cut in half mm-hmm. in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a significant impact on the ability for a dealer to be able to pay an analyst. And it's putting a lot of pressure on what we as the sell side think about how to define an analyst role. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting because when I started my career with you, mm-hmm. you know, we covered eight companies. You know, analysts now, we were talking to an analyst today who covers 40 companies. Yeah. And in that same time frame for initiations on IPOs or RTOs, the time frame has shrunk. Uh, so analysts are having less and less time to get more and more thoughtful workout on more and more companies. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of demands getting put on folks. And, and I think for analysts to know as much as they did 10, 15, 20 years ago about the company, that's getting tougher. And so the role of, you know, within the company mm-hmm. and their, their, their support staff, whether that's in-house or, or, or outsourced, uh, the, the demands on those folks are, are much, much higher to try to get the same quality information out. Yeah. You're being asked to do more with less. Right. Because of what's happened with the economics. Now, you know, we make every effort to try and really focus on the things that matter most. And as the evolution of the business changes and the economics of the business change, um, we're putting more emphasis on things like the investment thesis of a report as opposed to the quarterly reviews, those sorts of things. Okay. Um, we're trying to differentiate ourselves more. Right. Um, and at Macquarie, the, the main focus on differentiation in the past three or four years has been global theme-based research. That's We've come out and said that's our thing. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to do. Uh, and so by definition, we spend a lot less time actually going through the quarterlies and reporting on that. We still analyze them so mm-hmm. that we understand the risk profile, but we're spending a lot more time on theme-based research to try and differentiate ourselves. Right. I think to that point... Many analysts have to now find unique information to attract mindshare from their clients. And if there's an executive team uh, struggling to get research or get more research, a lot of ways you can have yourself stand out with a research analyst is by positioning yourself as a subject matter expert and an industry leading voice. And then that research analyst almost has no choice but to call you when um, news comes out or let's say there's an M&A by competing companies you know what's your view that and help them have a a new angle on whatever they're writing is they're writing about that day yeah yeah you really do have to differentiate yourself Um, in terms of the the needed you know kind of corporate resources internally I mean it's difficult right you made the point of you know whether that's internal or outsourced how is that role impacting what investor relations really needs to become sort of the evolving landscape of the economics it's putting a lot of pressure as as you made the point um, onto investor relations can you talk a little bit about the changing role as you see it of investor relations yeah, I think particularly in small cap land, you're increasingly looking to your investor relations folks to not just be you know, meeting setters, um, but you want people that can speak intelligently about financials, intelligently about the industry, get up to speed and be uh, as knowledgeable as anybody else within the company. I mean, you know, Mark's been doing mm-hmm. equity research for over a decade. Uh, he's a guy that you can drop in front of anybody on the buy side or sell side to talk about things. 
You know, I, I've been in capital markets for a decade and in corporate strategy for five years before that. You need to be able to talk about these. It's not enough to, mm-hmm. yeah, you can't just be setting up meetings. Mm-hmm. I think what we've seen too is pension plans, hedge funds, and mutual funds have been bolstering uh, their internal teams. And a lot of times they're hopping right over the, the sell side to speak directly with management teams just to avoid the whole, okay, well, do I need to allocate commission to you for having found this investment idea? They're going mm-hmm. right to source. And it would really behooves management teams um, to have expertise on their side, uh, we believe, to help talk to investors the way they need to be spoken to, getting the information that right. they require. Right. In various forms. Greg, you were nodding with that. Is there any? Well, although it, yeah. it, it means competition to my business plan, <laughs> right. to be quite frank, but the reality of it is, um, particularly for small caps, if they feel like they're not getting the best advice, then they go in-house for the advice. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. And, uh, and yes, it's becoming, I've seen a trend where investor relations is becoming investor relations slash corp dev, which is really M&A advisory, and it's really kind of ingratiating, ingratiating itself into finance. You know, the, the lines are being blurred. For sure they are, uh, yeah. And so, you know, I'd be foolish to think that there's no true competition coming from investor relations firms right. to the services that we're trying to offer as a uh, capital markets advisors on the sell side. Right. You mentioned mindshare. I mean, credibility is a huge aspect of that, right? When, when trying to get interest from both the sell side and buy side. Um, can you share a little bit about what you think that public, under, public companies misunderstand the most as it relates to research? Maybe, maybe Greg. Oh, the value of a buy and sell, rep- the value of a buy and sell, the value of a target, right? I mean, that's to me the, the most misunderstood thing. The, the value of a buy report without any credibility behind it, so if the analyst doesn't have a lot of credibility, is completely worthless in my opinion. Right. Uh, I've had a lot of conversations with CEOs about this. I think, and I'll go as far as to say, the value of a neutral or a sell report rather than no research at all, you're better off having a neutral or a sell. And again, I'm going to go back to this point. Mm. You know, superstar analysts in stock picking are right at most 60% of the time. And in fact, matter of fact, if you're 60% of the time right, you're probably in the you're probably in the Caymans <laughs> managing billions of dollars, That's right. uh, and you're not an equity research analyst. So the buy side understands this. Smart investors understand this. Mm-hmm. The value of a research analyst to a smart investor is the context the ability to discuss what catalysts are going to affect the stock and the ability to discuss the future, Mm. right? You look at a novice analyst and the way they write a research report, it's all historical based. Right. Who cares? That's already in the stock. Yeah, it's baked in already. That's the biggest misconception, the value of a buy, Mm -hmm. the value of a high target. Most of the senior PMs that I deal with don't even look at the at the rating. They don't even look at the target. They care more about the valuation analysis. Okay. They care more about the uh, the analysis of the outlook of the company. And this is why, coming back to this issue of mm-hmm. quality matters, yeah. it will be priced up as time goes on. Uh, and the inv- and the value of good investor relations advice matters mm-hmm. because you know, I know Kevin. I know how yeah. he how he advises. Have a good long term strategy. Know that it, that your investor relations message sticks to that, and think about a plan that over time will help you stick to that. You'll get credibility, and you'll get a premium in your stock price by doing that. Yeah, it's good advice. And it doesn't happen overnight; it happens yeah. over over time. Multiple years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I Have would you? add to that on 
misunderstood uh, aspects of research, your likelihood of being covered. I think every company that does the financing, yeah. uh, every company that goes public, expects that they will be covered. And in some cases, and you know, turning to anecdotes, I've had CEOs tell me out of the gate, we have three or four or five analysts that are ready to cover us, and they're still waiting for coverage. And a promise of research is not does not mean that research is coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a long path to getting there. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of competition for the resources within the uh, uh, within the sell side. So just don't expect that research. Give them a reason to cover you, right. um, and 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 look for that long term view. Right. And in the reason to cover you, is there anything that we haven't already explored? And what Greg just shared about the must dos, like what would in your mind be the key things? that any issuer listening to this really needs to, you know, start demonstrating or employing to attract that coverage should they be struggling? I think it's it always comes down to under-promise, over-deliver, yeah. set those expectations on whatever metrics it is that you want your company to be understood on. Um, there's a balance between those of how much you give away, um, but you want to set those expectations with folks and give a compelling differentiating piece. I really liked the way that Mark framed, um, you know, folks that are subject matter experts. Mm -hmm. They're going to win more mind share from smart analysts, from smart buy side folks, and that will lead to uh, good relationships. Because at the end of all of this, Mm -hmm. um, this is all about relationships, and it's relationships with your analysts, it's relationships with your Uh, customers, with your investors, and forging those relationships that lead to the end product of a fair valuation, Mm -hmm. lower cost of capital. Um, It it all comes from those relationships. Yeah, for sure. Anything to add, Mark? Not to put you on the spot. Not to put you on the spot on that. (laughs) Okay, so going back a second ago to talking about the context um, of the message, um, let, let's talk for a moment about disclosure. You know, uh, like what's enough? What's too much? What are you looking for uh, as you as you do your analysis in terms of the disclosure that that people are providing? Here comes the the, the, the sell side perspective of tell me everything. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. It's funny. I was yeah. going to say that. Tell yeah. me it all. Give you me, took the give words me out of his mouth. Everything. Um, and the reality is, we know we're not going to get everything. Right. You got to find a balance. Um, you know, analysts understand that there are limits to what good companies are going to want to share because there, there's competitive value uh, to, sure. to, to some of that information. But it goes back to understanding, a good CEO should understand what the investment thesis is for their stock and play to that over the long term. That investment thesis, by the way, can't change day in and day out, right? It's got to be a, a big, long arc. And think about in five or ten years what you want people thinking about your company and therefore what the investment thesis is attached to that company strategy. And provide things that you know you'll be able to, 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 bogeys you'll be able to hit and what you think will have relevance in the long term. And don't provide things that you don't have, you don't have to do that don't have value. And -hmm. the benefit of that will be you come out early, you say this is how I want you to judge me and you are judged by that in the long term. Mm-hmm. But a smart analyst is going to be happy with that. And, you know, and as Mark was saying earlier, um, 
analysts are getting information from, they're, they're digging, they're finding information from different places than they used to. It used to be easy, right? You talk to management, you go out and you do the rounds, and, and there was, the, the money was easier back then, and the resources were there. You had two associates or whatever it was, they can go do the work. It's very difficult uh, now relative to them in, in, in terms of ability to come up with some differentiated research. You, you have to dig. People are using mm-hmm. technology. They're doing different things. Talk a little Good bit about that. Gonna... Talk a little bit about that. What technology? What are they looking at? How are they digging and where? Yeah, so, I mean, associates hire. I'm hiring associates now thinking they should have knowledge of Python, Mm-hmm. which is, you know, a language for web scraping. And they should have that before they come in. I mean, they mm-hmm. should, they all have to know Excel and they all have to know, uh, they all have to have a business degree and be able to do valuation work and mm-hmm. preferably a CFA. Uh, but nowadays it's more about technology, going out online and being able to, to gather information. I can't do it. I'm 52. There's no way <laughs> I'm going back and learning a new programming language. But, you know, these kids can do it. Yeah. And that's where the value add is today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Are you seeing that as well in, in the the clients that you're consulting in terms of that being of importance? Uh, so in you their think own about, attracting, yeah. Well, you think about the the sources of information. Like yeah. Greg just talked about it. It used to be management. You go on CDAR, you've got the, mm. the financials and kind of done. Um, now you've got your social media channels. You've got Reddit, which, you know, you just scroll through that and you can get all your news uh, uh, straight off. You've got news coming through your Apple News feed first thing in the morning. Um, there's so many sources that are being consolidated and, you know, the, the good news, bad news, how much is real. I don't want to use fake news, but like, what's out there that, yeah. that is feeding opinions and it's parsing through a lot more information than we ever had in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's an important realization. And so from a communications perspective and getting that message across, at Load Rock, we're very careful to craft that message at the start of an engagement. It changes over time. It doesn't change daily, but it'll mm-hmm. change on a biannual, annual basis um, as the uh, the company has shifts. But you you put all of the messages that are out there from a IR or a PR perspective that feed and support that message. And if they stop supporting that message, it's probably time to change that message and talk to your investor base talk to your uh, uh, your analyst coverage and make sure they understand how this story is incrementally shifting away from where it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. But all of the technology sources that are out there are feeding people. Um, and there's a lot of competition from, you know, uh, bull boards, billboards, investment newsletters uh, that people need to parse through. And so we're getting those phone For calls sure. of people asking, you know, what's true and what isn't and can right. you help me clarify? Yeah. And, and how important is it to get information out to all of those sources now, right, versus going direct? I mean, you're doing the digging. Um, you know, how often should they be, you know, communicating with analysts versus also focusing in a huge way on the rest of the outreach and the messaging? I mean, that's a huge daunting task when you think about all of the forms of communication that exist now. Uh, versus ever historically and that's been a rapidly changing I mean I'm just trying to think even in at the exchange in the past two years and the ways that we're enabling technology to help serve clients in a more effective way it's uh, night and day and and it's the balance and the reach of who is the messaging getting out to yeah um, and the amplification of your voice 
you want to keep the analyst informed because they are amplified through the desk uh, and through their client base. Um, but you also want to keep the other uh, media sources informed because you know, that's an important audience that's, uh, that's out there. And companies are, are looking at uh, social media strategies, investor relations strategies, PR strategies, and figuring out how they work together because they don't work in a vacuum. No, absolutely not. And it's not just the good, right? It's the bad, too. Right. I mean, the yep. transparency is right. really, really important. It. Credibility yeah. uh, is by far the highest currency that a CEO has. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll give you a quick example of, of how valuable it is for an analyst as well. I remember um, one time the, the, the most positive feedback I ever got from a, from a stock call in my whole career was when I reversed a bad call. I had, I'll, I'll tell it's it's not it's public information. Telus, I had a I had a, a sell report on Telus. I had an investment thesis. The investment thesis was not working out, so I did the right thing. And it's scary to reverse a call after mm-hmm. it's gone the wrong way because your biggest fear is that oh it's going to flip around and mm-hmm. you know law of averages. Um, but I went out and reversed the call, and I just said, look, I'm wrong on it. I reversed the call because the thesis is not working out, and I've got information to to verify that. I got so many calls. I got, got a call from the CFO of Shaw Communications. So many calls from people to say, wow, good on you. And I thought a little bit about, wow, well, it's, I was just being honest about it, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to be hung on a bad call. But the reality is I gained a lot of credibility by doing that mm-hmm. because I came out and said, yeah, I'm human. That's part of the 40%. I'm a superstar. I'm going to get it right 60% of the time. But the reality is most people know you're going to be wrong a lot mm-hmm. as an analyst. And, and so I'd say... Similar things for CEOs. Be, be transparent and be credible. If, you, if, if something's not going right, I mean, a number of companies that I've covered in the past have come out on a conference call and said, we had a bad quarter. This is what we did wrong, but this is what we're doing to correct it. Mm-hmm. And by next quarter or two quarters from now, you can judge us on this metric. Mm-hmm. Many times when that happens, you know, the stock might open down 5% and then close flat because the CEO had, did, a, did a credible job of coming out and saying, look, yeah, we, we made some mistakes here, but this is how we're correcting it. So important. People on the buy side don't expect perfection. They know that the world is very, very gray. What they expect is, is transparency and, and, and you know, a lot of good work to try and get back on track. Yeah, very, very good advice for, for our clients who are listening. Um, you know, you can't have unrealistic expectations and, and stuff happens, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone has a bad quarter. Mm-hmm. And in our reporting regime, I know how stressful it is from talking to clients quarter over quarter over quarter. But the value, as you say, really is in the consistency, the transparency, and the credibility and the message. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, if, if we were going to, in closing, I think, I think sadly we're running out of time. We'd love to have you all again. Um, but if we were to ask one final question, I think a really big one, and we might have covered a lot of it just in our previous um, chat uh, with that question, but what would you say is most critical to analysts? What would be the one thing? I mean, we've talked transparency, we've talked credibility. If you're a CEO and you're listening to this call, what would be one other piece of advice that you think is critical uh, from your perspective? Analysts want to be seen to have insight, right? They don't have to be right all the time. They know they're not going to be. Right. Even if you have correctly called what's happening with a company, you're going to get the stock call wrong a lot of times. Maybe it's just valuation, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe interest rate outlooks change. Who knows? Um, analysts want to be known as having insights, though. And, and again, I'm going to say this. It speaks to their credibility. Mm-hmm. Buy-siders talk to analysts when they have to talk to analysts, right? 
there's value, there's pricing power in that. And in mm -hmm. a world where the pricing power of analysts, they're feeling like their pricing power is going down, having insights makes investors come to them and they have mm -hmm. pricing power as a result of that. It matters a lot when the economics are starting to, to hurt the business. And, and, you know, I can say, you know, I've done, I've done the rounds with a lot of companies, uh, meeting them as, a, a lot of buy-siders meeting them as a, as a head of research. And they used to talk to 10 analysts. Now they're only talking to three to five. Yeah. Because they want to make sure that they can still pay those ones that really matter. So the other ones are falling off. They're having less impact. The credibility and, and insights of an analyst matters a lot. That's what they want. Excellent. Yeah, I think it's I think it's critical that analysts explain your business to them. Explain what matters. What what are the drivers from your perspective? Um, because whether they cover your company or not, they're getting phone calls about your company from people that are poking around. Um, and so, giving people a good understanding because. I find that research is full of people that have a lot of intellectual curiosity. They are the ones that want to know how a business works. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, you're not giving them anything that isn't out there, but you're helping them understand the drivers of the business so that they can be a very intelligent source. And um, analysts are constantly going to meet private companies, companies that uh, may be public, but they just want to know how it works. Uh, teach them how the sausage is made, um, yeah. and I, th I think that's that's critical. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, my comments aren't terribly different, but you know, exhibit leadership, show that uh, you have a well thought out strategy that's going to work in this market and why, and demonstrate your leadership by being um, a credible source of information and as someone who can manage expectations that can be met and exceeded. Managing expectations again. Very, very yep. good point. Very, very good point. Uh, thank you, Greg. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Kevin. This is this has been really informative, and uh, we really thank you for your time. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. Yeah.